The year is 1990. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Ashley. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, going through the best and most important comics of Marvel from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and I'm joined today with Dave, who Dave has just found out this entire podcast has been a hallucination from when I first raked him with my poisonous claws. How's it going, Dave? You know, it so much makes sense, honestly, when you get that revelation. Like, I'm not even mad. I'm just, I'm actually kind of relieved. I'm like, why have I been doing this podcast and and taking the Simonson slander and all these crazy things that have been happening? Uh, but it makes a whole lot of sense. But you know what is what is even cooler than finding out you've been living a lie is um, is our guest today. We have a special guest joining us for 1990 Part 6 as we are going to cover our final, our final selection of reading for Marvel um, this year for 1990, uh, we have mm-hmm. we have Ashley. How's it going? It's going good. It's going really really good, actually. Awesome. Where uh, where can people find you? Where where uh, like what's your what's your um, pitch for you know good stuff that you're doing as far as comics coverage goes? Okay, so I'm pretty much all over the internet. I feel like, but mainly I do a lot of stuff over on YouTube, and you can find me at Bookish Realm. So I do a combination of everything. I don't have anything that's pretty much off limits. So I read a combination of books, comics, anything that I can get my hands on, really. Now, when you say books, you're describing things where there are not illustrations. Is that <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> I don't understand. Yes. This okay. makes Dave yes. nervous. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Getting a little sweaty. Getting a little nervous. That's fine. No, we're excited to have you. It should be a lot of fun to have you talking today. Today, we're going to talk about... Uh, some some kickoffs in 1990 of new series. This should be a fun one. We're going to talk about Deathlock, a 1990 revamp, okay, written by Dwayne McDuffie, Gregory Wright, got art by Dennis Cowan, as well as um, an individual that I'm blanking on. Uh, is it Jackson? Oh, yeah, Jackson Guise, yeah. Guise. I, see, I just, here's the thing. When I don't know how to say a name like that, I kind of just want to go with the most I'm fun interpretation, which would be Guise. Jackson Gucci. Oh. I feel like or, would be the or most the really Italian Jackson Guice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think it, it's okay. Guice though. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. We'll we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Todd McFarlane's Spider Man solo kickoff, adjectiveless mm-hmm. Spider Man, and then we're going to talk about the launch of New Warriors by Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley. Uh, actually, before we dive into these, what uh, did you have familiarity with with any or all of these titles before we before we read them today? Absolutely not. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I actually had not read is... two of the three, Zach. I had not read. Oh two wow, of that's the three. That's... Heading into this, wait, Deathlock and New Warriors. Then those are the ones. I guess I had yeah, read I New Warriors I mean... number one, but like both of those are relatively newer additions to Marvel Unlimited. They're series I've been mm-hmm. able to add in this podcast revamp of the Reading Club that were not available the first time around. So, so I'm excited to talk about these. Uh, I was looking forward to reading them as well. If you, as a listener, are excited to join us on our My Marvelous Year journey through the 90s, uh, you can find all the comics that we're reading in the show notes. You can find the full spreadsheet 
for every year over on patreon.com sl- or yeah slash my marvelous year mm-hmm. uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes as well uh, for as little as one dollar a month you can get access to the full spreadsheet and support the show which is greatly appreciated yes 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 uh yeah so these, these are all new to me as well uh, especially new warriors i have no context for this team no idea who they're going to be mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but uh deathlock we know a little bit of um but this is a new deathlock Right, so this is like you said, uh, written by Dwayne McDuffie. Art, I think the art first three are drawn by Jackson Guise, and then the last one is Dennis Cowan. Um, it's a big shift in style when you get to that last one. Huge Cowan shift. A... Huge shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So big, big shift in the artwork there. Um, I, I really. So first off, the these are it's a mini series. These are four forty-eight page comics. Oh boy. Um, and we often cringe when we see that, like mm-hmm. double length or 50 page <laughs> or 72 page issues. And very rarely does it pay off. And I'm sad to say, I don't think it pays off here, especially since I think there's a core to this comic that works. Yeah. And I think it is hidden beneath a lot of like fluff that does not need to be there. Like there's a lot of fat that could be trimmed on these, especially in the final three issues. Because the first issue I was like, oh, oh, what is this? Like, is this... Is this a great comic? Are we reading some like a hidden gem? <laughs> right. Because I think it starts out really strong. I think the the is it Michael Collins, right? Is the, the mm-hmm. Michael yeah. Collins? Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> which like pretty pretty loaded name to use uh, a, a very famous like uh, Irish liberation leader from from like the the turn of the century. But um, is it? I have no context for that. What what is the reference there? Oh, like like an IRA. I actually don't know if IRA is around there, but like an Irish revolutionary soldier from like the turn of the 20th century, uh, like fighting the British. Like Michael Collins is one of the more famous. Uh, okay, like so given Irish given liberation by famous. Dwayne McDuffie, uh, I feel like that's not an accident. So I'm yeah, I'm curious sure. what the connections might be there. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so was this, this, the, is... was this IRA leader an extraordinary pacifist? <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, you know the way that like <laughs> the IRA is known for its pacifism. Yeah, because Michael um, Collins is a, is a big time pacifist. That's that's kind of the crux of of bringing him in as the new Deathlock, yeah. right? Yeah, and Death Deathlock before was interesting ish, but it was more about like the art and the style than the character. Um, this is very character focused. Michael Collins, he's a he's a family man and he's an engineer. I'm guessing who makes prosthetic limbs, and he is finding out that he he works for a division of Roxon, which is always evil. Um, and his work is being used to make, like, cybernetic soldiers. And he does not like this idea. Um, and when he finds out, the his boss basically just tranquilizes him in the office and decides to turn him into the next Deathlock. Yeah, yeah. I think all big, this- uh, big argument against whistleblowing in the workplace uh, yeah. is that you might get turned <laughs> into a Deathlock. Um, <laughs> Ashley, what was your what was your experience reading uh, this, frankly, massive miniseries? It, it really is like a graphic novel length solo it is. origin it um, is. What, the, what did you think it, it i was surprised because when i was going through i was like oh this is long and then i checked the page count and i was like oh yeah this is this is a long one yeah. for me i think you know i'm not really like a science tech type of person so when they got like heavy into descriptions like that i was like this is this could potentially be a good story but I agree. I agree with Zach. I felt like there was a lot that could have been trimmed off. So it just felt excessively long. So it's yeah. like, I'm going yeah. page after page after page after page. And it felt like it had potential to be a great story. And then I liked some of the themes I think I was seeing in there, but it just felt like it was too much. And I'm not it, a fan of when it becomes excessive. 
Mm-hmm. There's so mm-hmm. much of the, uh, like, it, it feels like it starts spinning its wheels chasing the, like, okay, here's a new soldier for him to fight. Okay, here's a new, like, th- there was a lot of, like, MacGuffin chasing in between, which, because yeah. I feel the, f- the beginning has a really strong, like, thematic thread through it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, his, his pacifism, the idea that, like, the military-industrial complex will, like, suck you into it whether you want to or not. Like, there's his, his being turned into this robot could be seen as, like, you know... Th- you're not innocent just because you're not directly firing the gun, right? Like, and and him being co-opted into this. I think all that works really strongly as well as his connection to his family. Like, I felt that was really written strongly. Yeah. Um, like, his, his family dynamics really worked for me. And then it does just kind of turn, like, it loses that personal connection. It loses, like, it, it doesn't really feel like it hits hard, presses that button on, um, like, him being trapped in this body, right? That, that like, feels mm-hmm. like... Um, like Swamp Thing is doing something similar with Alan Moore at this time, mm. right? Of like being trapped in an alien body, kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just there's not that much here except just being like, ah, oh, this stinks. Ah, oh, beans. Like <laughs> I hate being in this body. <laughs> I mean, he does he does put a gun in his mouth at one point. That was pretty <laughs> affecting. Um, yeah. at the the beginning, and then after that, it kind of lost it because he just decided to be a super soldier who won't kill people. Um, and then yeah, and then it kind of just had too many plates spinning in the air, and I. You know, corporation versus corporation versus Nick Fury versus, you know, his agenda versus this guy, Jesus. Um, Yeah. Jesus. Um, I I do think it it would have been. I don't think so. I just assume who, who, who I, I actually mean, walks around going with the, well, it's, the strong. It's, it's a white. Jade it's or... a white dude. I kind of assumed it's a, it's a white dude without I thought the little it was Jesus too. With yeah, well, Jesus. All right. I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Jesus I is wrong. how you say it when it's you know like a Hispanic spelling or like Hispanic use, but like this is like a white guy without the little backslash over the. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I I just I've. Yeah, you know, limited experience. I've, n- I've never met a white guy walking around calling himself Jesus. Um, I like need to, Big, I need like to get big Lebowski, that. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I, I think both of you are spot on. I think the length of this is the biggest problem. I think the first issue and the concept are very strong. Um, I yeah. really like Dwayne McDuffie and Gregory Wright's take on Michael Collins as a character, on his family dynamics. And then I think actually one of the biggest problems this has is from about midway through the first issue th- until like late in the fourth, you kind of lose him as a family man again, which actually is one of the strongest, like his his relationship with his wife, his relationship with his son. It actually makes Michael Collins pretty interesting, and you kind of lose some of that just getting into the Deathlock action of it all. Um, but I think conceptually, it's great. I, I think bringing in Michael Collins as, because it, it like, we for, it, you know, just to catch everyone up, so the original Deathlock is Colonel Luther Matting. He's a soldier. Okay, and then he is combined as the cyborg, and those comics are interesting, um, but they are definitely more like, hey, cool seventies. Um, I think it's it's Rich Buckler art, uh, and it's it's all kind of, you know, there there's not this dichotomy of like, you know, a, a brain trapped inside of a body that is doing things it finds absolutely abhorrent. You know, like that is yeah. that is an interesting dynamic that I think McDuffie and the team bring to this that is that is great. I think if the first issue and like the last ten pages of the fourth were one oversized <laughs> mini yeah. that then launched into the nineteen ninety one Deathlock solo ongoing, which comes mm-hmm. next. And I so I, I went ahead and I read that. And I read the first five issues of of the Deathlock solo in 1991 because I was curious. I was like, I feel like there's something missing. Does it work in the in the solo series? Is that still I actually think McDuffie? it does. 
It's still McDuffie. It's still the same okay. creative unit, basically. It's it's okay. Dwayne McDuffie, Gregory Wright, and Dennis Cowan doing the pencils. And in Cowan's pencils, we can talk about this as we as we progress. But like Cowan's pencils on the solo, inked by um, Mike Manley, they work better for me. Um, once we get to that, big picture, all of it works better for me. Once we get to the 1991 solo. I feel like they really find their footing. They're like, this is this is the Deathlock that works. And I think in the in the miniseries, it's just way overstuffed. It's just way okay. too much. And they're filling page counts. They're doing bloated, this prestige yeah. thing. It is. Yeah. It's just bloated. Um, and it's kind of it's it's disappointing, but also like it's it's not a surprise that then that would go on to be a really interesting solo run um, in 1991, which I might have to add some issues for because. Like issues two to five, it's this story called "The Souls of Cyberfolk," and it's McDuffie playing on um, a W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, I think it's like mm. the Souls of Black Folk. Might Black be the folk, yeah, yeah, the souls yeah. Of Black folk, and it's yeah. it's quoted yeah. directly. It's McDuffie bringing that. Like it's a very, it's literally quoted. It's a very clear metaphor. It works very yeah. well, I think, uh, compared to this prestige mini where the, it's kind of just a lot of sci-fi, a lot of action, and not a lot of meaning to it necessarily um well it gets away from that i mean that that's the thing is that like i am interested in reading more especially if you like you're saying if it feels like it gets tighter because the issue here is like i feel like there's a real gem hidden beneath a lot of yeah you know a lot of junk here um what'd you guys think of the what'd you guys think of the art change so we go from like you said guisi for the first two issues then dennis cowan for (laughs) three I'm, so, I'm sorry. I apologize to Jackson. I'm sure I'm butchering it every time Gweezy. I say it. That's why I wanted to say Gucci. I just I can I know what that is. Um, what do you think of the change? Because it's a pretty dramatic, uh, stylistic change in the middle of this series. No, oh, Ashley, you can you can go. I wasn't a fan of the art at all. In, in, in <laughs> like, either of them, or the in either the... of them, oh, okay. and I and and I think too because I don't have as much experience. I think reading like. Um, older comics mm-hmm. a lot of times so i it's for me it's a lot of adjustment with the art style just in general so i'm not necessarily a big fan at all so i'm probably not the best person <laughs> to critique it because it's such an adjustment style for me but i wasn't a fan of either i don't know it just didn't work for me on either end yeah i, I quite like jackson guises and dennis cowan it's it's weird it feels like he uh, he left some pages to the last minute because especially at the beginning of number four there are some incredibly scratchy like uh, yes. some of the, just the the conversation scenes between like yeah. Nick Fury and his soldiers yeah. it's yeah. like really ridiculously scratchy and then later and I was like is this just his style but no later on you get like the big splash pages and he clearly like yeah. it, it seemed like he was rushed um, that's a good way to describe it scratchy yeah, I, like the scratchy uh, feeling well it's but even a, when it it's was almost got a Bill Sienkiewicz vibe in terms mm-hmm. of like. Almost like it's a stylistic design, like it's purposefully scratchy to to give sort of a, a surreal sense to the characters, and but it, it doesn't quite work. And also, just no. that's a very jarring shift from the first two issues, which are very. This is what a 1990 Marvel Comics prestige series looks like. It's very, it's mm-hmm. not like house. It's actually, I would say, it's better than quote unquote house style. You know, your Buscemas or, yeah, oh, or whatnot. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I actually think the first two issues look a lot better. I think Count, like I was saying, I. His his last two issues on this, I yeah maybe it's maybe it's rush work, you know I don't know the like I'm sure there's a behind the scenes on that, um, sure. but by the time you get to the solo that he's drawing with inks by someone else, Mike Manley, it looks great, it looks fantastic. So it, there's definitely like I wouldn't let these last two issues turn you off to 
Cowan as an artist, um, especially moving forward into just continued work on Deathlock, which which vastly improves, I think, moving forward. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really jarring shift halfway through um, yeah. a, a, a series that is already like basically begging you to skip to the end <laughs> by the time you get to that point anyway i felt so bad about that though i felt like i felt like i was i was going to be into it and then i'm not gonna lie by the time i got to the second issue i was like when is this yeah when is this yeah. gonna end yeah well and i it, felt bad i felt bad about it because i felt like it had so much potential but i slogged through it to be honest with you i kind yeah, of slogged yeah, through it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it's I think, it's, I think, it's the Snyder's Justice League of 1990s miniseries. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just it like, so much like kind of a, it needs to be. An interesting failure, I would say. Like a very like yeah. intriguing and interesting failure. It, it, honestly, if we just read issue one, I would have been like, pretty good. Pretty good overall. Like I really yeah. liked issue one. Yeah. And then, oh, and I got to call out the, uh, the opening shot of this is really effective of just like, oh, uh, the last Deathlock, Luther, here goes his brain and like just like swapping his brain like yanking it out of his head and tossing it in the trash mm-hmm. it's really upsetting stuff like that really worked for me i, th- I think it starts out just so strong yeah. and then kind of just turns into a pretty pretty average comic um okay so that that's gonna lead us into the next thing we read which was spider-man the um just spider-man by todd mcfarlane uh issues one through five this is the torment arc and he is writing and penciling is he doing his inking and lettering too i know he, he's like, inking himself uh on the first issue and i think i think as we progress he's inking himself too so like this is yeah i mean this is todd mcfarlane's big solo standout series like he's you know he's put in his time as penciler mm-hmm. on incredible hulk on um on amazing spider-man he's been doing a lot of covers you know some of the best new mutants covers of this era or him inking rob liefeld um, and then, and Todd clearly made a push at this time to, you know, editors like Bob Harris, editor in chief Tom DeFalco, saying like, "I'm ready." They have this clear superstar artist. He's saying, "Let me do the whole thing. I don't want to be at the whims of other writers, other storytellers. I feel like I can't quite do what I want to do." So they're like, "All right, we're gonna give you, you know, the superstar spectacle." Spider-Man number one here, the launch of this, it's a huge deal. Like, it's it gets overshadowed. Because the Chris Claremont and Jim Lee X-Men number one, which comes next year, is the best-selling comic of all time. You know, so Spider-Man number one but gets this, over. This Shadow. is like number two, right? It's number two. Isn't... Yeah, like it's on that level. They gave it the whole treatment, crazy variant covers and all that stuff like that. That starts to become a thing as far as the sales spectacle and kind of the boom bubble of, of comics here. But as like, so as spectacle, as event, this is a big deal. I think as comic goes, it's kind of exactly what you'd expect or what I expected, which is... Tom McFarlane is a amazing artist. I love his Spider-Man. Love, love, love his Spider-Man. I love his Lizard, who's kind of the main antagonist here, um, or, or at least you know supporting antagonist. Uh, storytelling wise, I I like his gumption. I like his ambition. I don't think it's a very good story. I guess what it's, what did both of you think? It's one of the stupidest. It's some of the stupidest, like most childlike writing we've ever read. Stupidest. It's harsh. It's incredible. No. In a way that is like, I don't think it's stupid. No, it's very stupid. But in in a way that's like kind of, it's like just borderline. Like I laughed out loud at least once per issue at like how dumb his turn of phrases are and how like like it feels like a teenager like who just read a lot of comics and watched a lot of action movies is writing this. Like, um, 
No, but Ashley, like, you're, I, you're making a face at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I want to say I like it too. I like, I, I kind of had fun with it, right? Like, I think his art really carries it through, and the energy does. But mm-hmm. I think the writing is just like here. Just a second. I actually took screenshots, which I almost never do now, of of some of my favorite lines because it's it's all so, his captions that are. While while you're pulling that, let me let me add on to that to say like I think I think what McFarlane's doing is he's his vision of what makes um a good spider-man story is sort of that it's that watchman influence right we're in this era we're post mm-hmm. we're a few years post watchman it's everyone trying to do their alan moore and kind of do a more mature serious <laughs> version of these characters and but he's rorschach he's clearly without... trying to do that with spider-man he's trying to a- do a- rorschach Spider-Man's but he doesn't get that rorschach is ironic right like well most he... uh, most Okay, maybe I, we could debate that. That's a, that's a larger debate. Before you, all right, do do some quotes. Hit us with some quotes, okay. and then actually, I want to hear what you liked. Okay, okay. <laughs> his name, Spider-Man. His powers, extraordinary. His webline, advantageous. <laughs> that one's really good. Um, that's typical. Uh, Lizard slams him into a, a a chimney of bricks, and he goes, "Yes, these bricks are unmovable, but only until they are met with a force greater than theirs." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's talking about the lizard killing a bunch of random people and he's like he he's doing what he was designed for this perfect killing machine dot 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 is killing <laughs> um okay one more it, uh i can't remember it's something about it, it's recapping uh, uncle ben getting killed and he goes in that moment you grew up you became a hero you became a man a spider-man <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it, like, it is fun, it, but, like, in a way that I don't think he's, like, in on the joke with me, <laughs> right? Like, I, oh, I no. No, he's, was he's laughing trying. at those. Yeah, so, like, I had fun. It might not be the way he intended. But you're right. Like, his art, I'm very into it. And I can see people not liking the super cartoony, like, humans. I, I'm into it. And I think his storytelling is really good. Like, his visual storytelling. But, okay, Ashley, what, what did you what did you think? Okay, so now that you read the lines like that, and I'm like, oh, man. Okay, but no... <laughs> What I did note is I like, and maybe this is just coming from me, like, you know, just reading prose to just, you know, just books in general. Mm -hmm. I liked his use of second person. Mm -hmm. I always like second person in anything that I read because I feel like that brings you more into the story. So that's probably why I felt like I was actually within the story myself. And I felt like we started with like this really, really arrogant Spider-Man. And I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan. Unfortunately, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. We just don't mesh. But seeing him kind of on this arrogant side and then being brought down a couple of notches, realizing what comes with being a superhero. Because even when I was reading that, I was like, well, why is this going on? Like it, it started to get on my nerves to a certain point where I was confused as to um, why these villains were here, why they targeted him, what was their purpose. And at the end, it felt like there was no purpose. This is what just comes with the territory. And you think it's all fun and games, but at the end of the day, being a hero is not all fun and games. So for me, it was like, I don't know if it was just like that powerful moment of him having to realize that there are going to be moments where he has to just do what he has to do and there may not be a rhyme or reason behind it. Yeah. Um, but I but I liked it. I felt like there... He was trying to be deep, and I think that there were some moments where it was like, okay, like he could have written this a lot better. But I think the overall concept and idea that he was running with within these issues, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Like, I really, really, really was into it, which shocked me completely. Yeah. 
No, I think it, it definitely pulls you in. I mean, I think like yeah, there's an it, energy. I appreciate that, like, the ambition yeah. that he is striving for. Yeah. Like he is trying yeah. to he is trying to write a kickoff to a big, meaningful Spider-Man story, and yeah. I like that. I like I like that instead of someone just being like it's Spider-Man. You don't want to mess with it too much. We got to be the caretaker, you know, of Marvel continuity. I think that that has bored me honestly throughout a lot of the '80s Spider-Man stuff, where it's like okay, like these very <clears throat> slow, subtle progressions on the same themes that Stan and, and Steve created in the '60s. That gets boring, and Tom McFarlane is not boring. Um, I think the biggest criticism definitely is. I think, like, for Zach and myself, definitely, like, reading this, it, it comes to embody, I think, a lot of what the image guys, the, the the cliche around them can be, which is, you know, Todd, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld at this time, um, is, like, style over substance, right? Is, like, this idea of, okay, all the style's there. All of that is there. This package and it's looks good amazing. And then good the substance like, yeah. is, McFarlane is trying to fill in the substance mm-hmm. in a way that, actually, I don't... You never see from Rob Liefeld, right? Maybe maybe low hanging fruit, but you don't see it yeah. from him. Um, Jim Lee, I don't think is is quite gets there either. I think Todd is making an effort to get there, and you have to remember too, like this is I I don't know if it's literally his first like written project that's been published, but like it's a pretty big one to have as your first Marvel story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so coming yeah. into the gates, being like, yeah, I'm gonna write my Watchmen in Spider Man. Um, I don't think it works personally. I, I think you know. I think there's things too, like the doom sound effect, for example. Right? There's this Which repetition. Is, yeah, doom, doom, right, doom. right out of <laughs> ripped straight out of uh, well, Simonson's Thor. It's straight out of Simonson's right. Thor. Like and I, even it's, like it's the not font as effective. Looks, it's it's yeah, over. So. It's over baked. It's a little overdone. But again, you can see you can see the thinking. You can see the process. And and I appreciate. Yeah. From that perspective, like someone trying to tell that Spider-Man story, even if it didn't mm-hmm. quite work for me, it does. I have to say, like reading this again, it makes me want to keep reading this era yeah. of McFarlane's Spider. Yeah, yeah, it did. I did want to continue. I will say that it's it's there. <laughs> I think, like, like you're saying, like style over storytelling. Issue one, I was I, I finished it and I was like, what happened in that issue? Lizard kills a couple people and Spider-Man talks to Mary Jane. And Spider-Man beats up a random criminal in alley. Like, nothing yeah. actually happens in it, but it's full of, like, huge splash pages and tons of, like, dynamic energy. But it's mostly just, like, nothing actually happens in it, right? Like, it is just a showcase for his, his art and uh, well, it's a little, the way he can lay out a page. Which it's is, a little which bit is of kind a progression of like, yeah. towards, um, towards writing for the trade. I mean, it's not literally that at this yeah. point. You know, we're, yeah, we're yeah. kind of just entering that territory of of a Watchmen, of um, of Miller's Dark Knight Returns, being this clear, like, oh, these things work as as packages, as books, quote-unquote, right, as the trades. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's writing for a longer-form story arc, which is not—it's not the a given, I guess, at this point in comics, that you're necessarily doing that. It's getting more common, you know, yeah. like, we're, we're seeing it more often. Um, so I'm glad you brought up the Doom thing. I almost forgot that. There's— there's a bunch of stuff that McFarlane, I think, is just taking a little bit wholesale from other comics, um, like that. Um, it's actually interesting to with this with Deathlock. I just read some Spawn, which was from 1991. Okay. There's a decent similarity between Spawn and Deathlock, which both of which are... So, I, I don't know, did, was it... Did Michael Collins get, like, his mind put into a Luther's body, right? Like, a white man's body? That, that I don't know that it's there, right? Luther's body. I I always thought it's the, definitely the not Death his body. Lock we see cyber, the... cyborg was like a, a thing in and of itself. 
Okay. Well, thought, it's definitely not right. a black man's body, I don't think. I thought it was I, a white man's body, too. Okay. That is literally what happens in Spawn. Spawn issue two, because Spawn, <clears throat> the man who is Spawn, is, is a black man. In issue two, it's this big reveal. He He's resurrected from hell, whatever. He takes off his mask, and he's just like, um, oh, phew, like, you know, I'm put back together. He can, like, whatever. He, he finds himself with a real body, and he's like, just one problem. I'm a black man. And it's, like, a twist in that, that, like, your hero would be a black man and not the white man that he's presented. He's a black man trapped in a white man's body. That just also feels like, it's it's weird. It's just like McFarlane, a year later, does a very, very similar thing. Um, I don't know if that's just a coincidence or not. There was just a few little things where I'm like, I, I feel like the storyline... Oh, I'm sorry, Deathlock also. You know what was super distracting about this? It's just Colossus. It's Colossus's body and outfit. Did, he did, does did you look, notice that? Color, he, he, the color scheme and the outfit look a bit too Colossus. And, and his course. arms and legs are precisely Colossus. Like, they yeah, are one-to-one, right. one, the same exact... And he has a little red, like, Speedo on, like Colossus. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. wild how uh, similar those are. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, the McFarlane, the, the Spider-Man, I, I think it's fun. It's kind of like, it's weird. I think Deathlock is a, a comic that is striving for better stuff and doesn't quite hit it, right? And McFarlane's is something that's, like, punching above its weight class for me. Like, I think it's a dumb comic that still somehow is better than it ought to be, right? Like, I think both of them are kind of leaning in the opposite directions. Um, but, yeah, like, I had fun with this. The the Craven stuff made me desperately, like, want to see an alternate universe where Todd McFarlane um, illustrated Craven's Last Hunt instead of Mike Zek. As much as I like Mike Zek's stuff, his Craven work here was really affecting. Um, what was less... What work didn't work for me is this uh, voodoo woman. Um, I don't know her name. Calypso. Gets... Calypso, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, it felt like the, the highest form of, you know, like, cultural tourism of just, like... <laughs> Here's this, like, voodoo woman. She's from a Caribbean island. She's a witch. She sacrifices her sister, right? You know, it's it's so far removed from the actual, like, Haitian voodoo traditions and stuff. Like, And it's not like you can't use that to me. It's just, like, at least get it just a little bit right, you know? <laughs> like, it's not even close to what the real thing is. So, like, that that is all very, I don't know, that made me roll my eyes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree on that. This is coming from the publisher who has a uh, sorcerer named Brother Voodoo. So probably <laughs> the bar is very low. Low. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Extremely low. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is abysmal at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, yeah you're, but... I think you're right in that uh, Calypso, the fact that you couldn't remember her name is fairly telling. I mean, it... it well, first, as to your reading comprehension, which, as I said, is not where it needs to be, Zach. But second, yeah, no. uh, just that she doesn't stand out as as a character. Um, no, but she, not, yeah. you know, and, and that's a hard. It is a hard thing to do. But I will say, if you're going to create a new character for your Spider-Man story, yeah, like doing kind of that, like you said, cultural tourism, um, is not the way to go. And and clearly, Tom McFarlane was. That was not the thing he was interested in. That was not the thing he was ambitious. No, it's about totally set. Right. It's just set dressing for him, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that leads us into our last comic of this batch, New Warriors, one through three, and this is written by Fabian Nicchiesa and art by Mark, Mark Bagley. Both big name, big name creators who are going to go on to have, like, huge careers. Um, Mark Bagley, specifically, we talk about uh, quite a bit in the My Ultimate Year podcast because he's doing all that Ultimate Spider-Man over there, and mm -hmm. I complain a decent amount i, I mean I, I have a mixed feelings about him i like a lot of his like superhero work and his action i complain a fair amount about his weird faces and how they freak my brain out um 
You're obsessed with his eyes, which which every so often we get a panel here in New Warriors where where it's like, ooh, bagley eyes. There it is. He's, yeah. There it is. Yeah, every so often. <laughs> I will say it's kind of the opposite here where I feel like his ability to tell a story clearly improved hugely in the next like 12, 15 years or whatever. Mm. And then his art style became distinct in a way that like became less appealing because this um just talking about the uh the actual like art the art here feels like such a throwback and so kind of uh it's very like 70s to me in Mm. like some of the worst ways like kind of a overstuffed pages full of like action that is not particularly engaging or dynamic i mean it's so night and day from what we're reading in mcfarland's work Right, right. You have that progress in McFarlane versus versus Bagley here. Ashley, what was your what was your interpretation on like the art and sort of the storytelling side? Um, as someone who doesn't read a lot of older comics, was this was this more of a chore for you to feel like to to get through? Um, I think in some areas, I think it was, but I think I liked the story overall, so it didn't feel it didn't feel as rough. I think I was just interested because I've never heard of any of these characters prior to reading this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's probably what kept me going because I wasn't, I mean, I think I may have been familiar with maybe like one, which was Nova, but that's probably as, as close as I was going to get to being familiar with anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just seeing them as a team together and not having that background knowledge is probably what kept me going. But I can see where eventually I probably would kind of stall out a little bit. Um, but I thought the story was really, really interesting. I thought it was nice to see a different team than what I was used to seeing. Um, I think I enjoyed issues one and two more than three. Three for me, I kind of like got a little bit bogged down. And um, I think I kind of got the intention of them, you know, trying to, I guess, realize that they needed to work together, um, even though they were coming from just such vastly different backgrounds. But it just felt... It felt like too much, but I did. I did enjoy this one. Um, art style. I don't know how I, I don't know what I need to do to get adjusted. Maybe I just need to read more because I feel like I don't read enough um, older issues. So art styles for me in older comics, I don't know if it's just my lack of familiarity with like artist, um, but I got to do something to get readjusted. I, it's I, still, don't, it's, I don't think this ahead. is just you for this i, okay, I mean to, okay. to, to me i really i think this is kind of a, a drag I, th- I don't think like bagley like lays out a nice page and i don't think like yeah, i think i think I'm... these stories are a little overstuffed and i don't think the page layout helps like move things along like they they feel like, very I'm, I'm flipping through the pages right now and it just doesn't it's not it like doesn't, a good looking i felt comic, like it was just right? me yeah i just like i the art didn't work for me but i think it was just the interest level of reading something new nothing that like something that i had no prior knowledge of i think that's what kept me going but art wise like i just felt like it was just me it was more of a me thing where i'm not as familiar so i just kept pushing through but yeah art didn't do it for me either in this one but i did like the stories in the first two issues yeah i i quite like Fabian Nicieza as as a storyteller, I think he's a very good scripter, a very good dialogue writer. I think he writes. I mean, you're just doing this because you're interviewing him next week, and you want to. Well, and I am. So I I, I did sign the contract where I have to say nice things about yeah, him for him yeah, to come yeah. on. So yeah, um, but no, I I genuinely do think he's very good at playful comic book interactions between characters. I think you know, kind of to Ashley's point too. Like these are not known properties, right? Yeah. These these are new characters. This, I mean, the the concept is Young Avengers. They just don't call yeah. it Young Avengers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your yeah. teen heroes, yeah. you know, for those who are listening and, and not reading along, you know, we have Namorita, Firestar, Kid Nova, Marvel Boy, uh, Speedball, 
and Night Thrasher. Okay, so Night Thrasher, this is his, Dwayne Taylor, this is his literal debut. He kind of comes in like a almost Batman-ish figure. Well, um, yeah, I mean, he literally spells out, he's like, so what? why do you want to start a team? And he's like, my parents got killed by criminals, and now I want to fight all criminals and make them pay for what they did. I, man. Yeah, but but here's the thing, Zach, did Batman have a skateboard? Because <laughs> I don't think I know, that, that is literally the only thing about this character that, yeah. like, is interesting to me. Because, like, that that is so underwritten and overwrought. I, I this comic didn't work for me at all. Um, like I, I thought like I was not really into these characters, and it made me, <laughs> it made me appreciate a little comic called Alpha Flight Number One even more oh so. Gosh. Oh where it was gosh. like, here's a team of brand new characters. You get a little taste of each one of them. It draws you in. It's not like way too overstuffed. It feels like I I don't know. Th- this made me appreciate how hard of a job it is to introduce a new team. And That's a hard thing to do. Like, it's our thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it the is, only characters we really know going into this, like we know a little bit about Nova. We've read his yeah, stuff before, like right? A tiny bit, yeah, and a, a little tiny bit. About bit. We know we. Marvel if you've War. read um, your X Men, your full X Men, you know, run through the '80s, you know a little bit about Firestar and her yep. connection to like Emma Frost and the Massachusetts Academy. If you read the weird Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, you know the absolute madness of Marvel Boys continuity. Um, and if yep. you're a Steve huge uh, Steve Ditko head, you know Speedball. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I I don't know that you necessarily need to know the characters. I think to Ashley's point, like no, I actually I mean, find I them more really interesting know. because I don't know a lot about them to kind of mm-hmm. get their deal and and then them coming together and their interactions here. Um, I, I had a different reaction. I actually I was very interested in seeing this team come together, and I, I think part of it is sort of that historical scholarly curiosity of like this story was a hit, or this comic was like kind of a surprise hit. Like, nobody, like, New Warriors, like, it was, again, like, Crazy. it's a hodgepodge team. It did yeah. really well at the time. People liked the mm-hmm. NECA as a Bagley run. It's pretty well regarded by people who read it at the time, you know, the 25 issues or so they had together. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you all in terms of, like, it doesn't feel like the freshest, most incredible gem of the 90s, per se, but I do think this team coming together is kind of a fun bit of Marvel history, especially just, too, with, like, we don't really have teenage superheroes it's not really a thing marvel does well you know you have your teen titans you have the x-men kind of has a a a stranglehold on that with the new mutants for example but like non-mutant properties they don't really have that and the new warriors gives you that um it's not perfect it's not amazing there's some things too that i quite dislike although it's intent like for example like nova richard Ryder. I would say is the most well-known character of these he's Mm -hmm. definitely gone on to do the most in modern marvel um he has some very He's very obnoxious. He's clearly intended very. to be obnoxious. And he has some very racist comments in this yes. um, that are, it's oh, yeah. it's intentional joking. Yes. It's intentional to make him less liked. I don't know that at the time they realized how much worse it would make him. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not meant to be as kind of uh, abhorrent Damning. as I think it yeah. means now. You know? Yeah. Which no, he's just supposed to. The mistake. Yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of like the boomerang of the Suicide Squad, right? Like, that that has the same thing. I'm reading that in uh, the John Ostrander run of Suicide Squad. And Boomerang has that same thing, and he's, like, tossing around racial slurs and stuff. But Boomerang, you, at least you kind of feel like they severely want to damn this character. Like, he's a jerk, and no one is supposed to like him. Like, he is disgusting yeah, through right. and through. And, like, that is not the vibe with Nova you're supposed to get, right? Like, Nova's supposed to be like, oh, that little scamp, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he he's got stuff to figure out but yeah i mean you know that you said like playful banter and i was like my mind immediately went to something where like someone made a joke about wings and thighs or something about a chicken dinner and he was like i'm more of a breast man myself and like well that's that's actually speedball 
Who, oh, that was Speedball? Okay. Well, so the, the 16-year-old still, who was constantly bad. quipping and making jokes. Um, I, I actually think that fits his character. I, I was surprised I did not find Speedball nearly as obnoxious as I thought I would. <laughs> what was both of your reaction to... I like Speedball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I think he's it. actually very fun. Yeah. I, I was surprised He was by funny that. to me. <laughs> I don't know I what... I thought it, because when he... Go ahead. Go was, ahead no, no, please. Please go on. I thought I thought when he was first introduced, you know, with him, just his personality, I was like, he's going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to like him. Mm-hmm. He's going to say things that are just like, you know, just out the way compared to everyone else's dialogue. But I thought he was hilarious. I thought he gave this lighter contrast to the rest of the team. And he kind of brought a little bit of fun and jest compared to like, yeah, like Nova. Nova was just not my cup of tea, but I really, really did like people. He's, yeah. he's having fun, at least. That's kind of, like, yeah. what I, I did like about him, is that, like, he, he was so giddy to get out there and, like, join the team, as mm-hmm. compared especially to, like, Night Thrasher, who, like, is kind of a, a knockoff Batman, but is not as good at brooding. Like, every time he's just... Like, at the end of issue two, uh, he almost kills, like, his, you know, rival here. And the rest of the team is like, if we didn't stop you, would you have killed him? And he's like, yes, no. I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to decide for yourself. And then he like walks away, like not looking at the team, like, and it's just like that that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, just made me roll my eyes. But I don't think the comic wants you to roll your eyes at him. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. But I, I liked Speedball being like what excited to get out there and being like, oh, a fight. Like I can I can help. What are his powers? Because he he needed to kick off his powers by tripping. <laughs> There's kinetic something energy like... is it kinetic energy but it, it, is, his... is it that he needs to like slam into the ground first because like <laughs> what he what does it feels like <laughs> he like runs and trips over a cart and is just like that should do it this should trigger my powers and like that is a really funny idea of That's like great you yeah know, that, that he needs to do a pratfall every time he needs to kick into his, his own power yeah and then he just bounces around and he's like untouchable and his, and his cat his cat is has the same powers as him. That that is a fun touch. Yeah, that is good. I like this. That is yeah. Good I, as well. I mean, I I did not enjoy reading this. I can see the potential of these characters. You know, like some of these characters were kind of interesting to me, but like overall, I didn't have a ton of fun reading this. But um, you know, I I can see especially if you have some familiarity with these them later, maybe like Dave, that you would be like, oh, I'm I'm curious about their well. Their that's the thing is like there's not with the exception of Nova, who actually I think is like. It, like, if you like modern Nova, don't go back and read New Warriors. Like, it doesn't, it definitely is worse to, to the character. But I think, you know, aside from Nova, these characters haven't, I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, they, they don't have, like, major, like, prevalence in Marvel history, with the exception of one of them, who uh, a huge thing happens with. And I won't spoil what it is, because in the club, we we're reading through 1990, and we won't get there for, for some time. Um, Ashley, were there characters in New Warriors that stood out to you, aside from the ones that we've talked about, that you thought were well done, that you thought were poorly done, uh, anything like that? I was really interested in Night Thrasher's background, and I feel like when we got to see his background and then his his fear of confronting his rival, I thought it was an interesting element because I felt like it was an element that could potentially have brought the team together. Although I kind of feel like he ruined it. Like Zach said, with that one line, I felt like that could have been, that could have been a really, really good moment because of the fact that, you know, at that point they had left um, and went to go fight his battle for him and he didn't even want to do it himself. And I thought that that would have been a good team element. Like, you know, here are these people who you don't necessarily know very well, but they're here having your back, you know, at least, you know, go out there and help them. And then that could have been a great moment. But I was just really interested in his background and how he became 
I guess, interested in, in fighting all types of crime, especially because he doesn't have technically any superpowers. It literally is just kind of like his anger, his brute force that kind of works in his favor. Something to do right. with so darkness, he was interesting. right? He, he's hmm? got some, did, did, he, did he just throw like pocket sand at Terex at one point? Because like... He, he does, like, blind him with some, like, black... I thought it was a cloud or something. And I, I was a little unclear if he had a power of, like, darkness or something. I thought he just had, like, a utility belt. Okay, yeah, it might have just been, like, you know, some some black dust or something. He's got bags full of sand. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, yeah, so, sorry, Ashley, yeah. go on. No, no, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting because of the fact that everyone else does have an actual superpower outside of him. So I'm really interested just in going forward to see how that team is going to work out and how he's going to deal with that when everyone else does have a power. And I feel like that was kind of addressed in that third issue where they were talking about them um, just individually and how they fit together in the group and whether he would question whether he should even be a part of the group or, you know, whether they would look at him differently because he doesn't have any physical superpowers. So mm. if I would say, I don't know if I would necessarily say well done, but for me, personal interest in seeing how that dynamic will eventually affect the team mm-hmm. is something that really, really is is interesting to me. Yeah. I think he was probably the one that that stood out the most because I think that they could you know, that story could go somewhere. I don't know if it does. I didn't read any further past issue yeah. number three, but I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I think Night Thrasher is an interesting addition to the Marvel Universe for sure. And I think too, like, you know, this comic just throws you into accepting that like he has all this resources. He has this, you know, his mm-hmm. Alfred, his his assistants, right? He has his, his like, you know, Batcave essentially, and he's putting mm-hmm. together his team. And it's just sort of, you just kind of have to accept instantly that like this brand new person that we've never met before in Marvel Comics mm-hmm. is doing this. And then I, I think to your point too, like the fact that Dwayne, as we get to know him, is afraid and makes mistakes and clearly is not the confident Batman who never does anything wrong. Like that is an interesting to me inversion of what this character is um and it it makes me curious to follow sort of yeah the dynamics of the team which i think are ultimately what this series is is it's going to drive it like if you if people who want to continue with new warriors it i think it has to be because you're interested in the dynamics and the interactions Mm -hmm. of these individuals together these young heroes as opposed to i don't know any like particular like, oh, there's this really cool antagonist. Because they kind of just bounce around other corners of the Marvel Universe, you know? Mm-hmm. They fight yeah. a fake Terax. Okay, that's a Fantastic Four thing. The Mad Thinker shows up to catalog them all. Okay, that's Fantastic Four stuff, right? So they're like, they're pulling from these corners. I mean, the I think the issue three with the Mad Thinker kind of cataloging the team, it felt like it could have been very cool, but instead was sort of just like a Wikipedia recap of yes. like everything we read in the last two issues, which yes. did not work for me the way I wanted <laughs> it, did, it to. No, it doesn't work at all. It felt very, um, it just felt very like black and white, like very structured. Like there was no true creativity behind that, which is why I think I kind of slowed down in that third issue until I kind of got that, I don't know, like that light bulb moment of what the team could look like when, you know, we, we are looking at Night Thrasher and his lack of, of superpower. But other than that, it was, you're right. It was like reading a Wikipedia page and I'm like, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> see, you know, so okay. That, that actually makes me kind of, I think clarify what, like why this is not engaging to me. Th- this mm-hmm. feels very much like comic by like someone, I read a ton of comics and now I'm just creating more of that. Right. Like, but there's, it doesn't feel like it's additive to like the medium or for what we've read. It kind of just feels like more of like, this is meat and potatoes, superhero comic stuff, which, which I think can work if you are excelling 
in some regards, right? Like, if, if something about it is excelling, I don't think anything here excels, right? Like, because I wouldn't even say that the writing is terrible, and I wouldn't say that the art is terrible. I think they're both pretty middle of the road. I just think that the actual core conceit is also just, like, there's nothing really here except just, like, yeah, this is this feels like the Defenders, this feels like the Champions, right? A million other, like, superhero teams that we've seen come and go that are just, like, all right, here's uh, six characters all smashed together, and watch them fight, and, like, th- there's no spark here, there's nothing that feels like this is the new, fresh innovation that we have for the new warriors. And I, I suspect, kind of, that you said it's super popular... You know, it's kind of one of these things, like, if it becomes unpopular, then it becomes important, right? That's, like, why we talk about it, and this didn't fall by the wayside, because I, I kind of I mean, su- this... super popular is an overstatement. Like, it's it was big at the time. I mean, he, he did 50... You don't have a ton of people now being like, oh, when's the MCU doing New Warriors? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not, I guess. He, he did, like, level. 50 issues of this, like, and then it went on for 75 total. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it went on for a while. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's my problem, is I just, like, I have no connection to the characters, and I just felt like it didn't it didn't push anything new on me that I haven't seen like for the last 20 years. Right. Like this felt very much like well, this the, new, the, the newness the of it is, is right? literally like, just their age. I mean, the newness of it is yeah. just, it's a group of young heroes. It's a young group. Avengers. That's the, that's the freshness of it, which yeah. you could argue isn't actually that fresh. Um, yeah. Right, but that yeah, is, I mean, hook. like power pack is a fresh version of that, right? Like power pack is literally like, these are children, Kid family, <laughs> you know, and yeah. they're superhero and, and it's like a family dynamic. Right, that that feels like the fresh angle, and she makes you feel that. I I didn't really feel too much like this was like nailing. The, I mean, also the X Men have the new mutants, right? Like, and that that feels like a real like these are teenagers all like bouncing off together, um, in a better way. So I think there's a there's yeah. a strangeness to the new warriors that I find appealing, um, in that like there's a I I actually would disagree. I would push back on a little and saying like there's a there's a they're not just like the heroes who've been bouncing around and we've been reading for a long time. Like they're they're a pretty odd group of individuals, you know. Like Speedball, uh-huh. again, young kid. Like his mom starts coming on missions with them because she's like not into it, you know. <laughs> so like he's got like a very different dynamic. Yeah. He's quirky and funny. He's Peter Parker plus. He's kind of proto Deadpool almost in terms of his quipping. Um, Namorita, the cousin of Namor from Atlantis, that's a different angle. Uh, Vance uh, uh, Astro is just like absolute timey-wimey shenanigans like his whole history is is super wild and then nova obviously is like kind of cosmic but also he's a jerk um you know he's kind of the guy gardener of this team in a lot of ways so i i actually and then and then Dwayne turner totally new character so like he's just got mystery and intrigue by virtue of being new i i think there's more to buy into the strangeness of these characters than than what you're saying um but you definitely you have to have the patience and the desire to want to give it that time because mm-hmm. I would agree that sure. it doesn't it doesn't jump out of the gate and make me think I want to read 25 issues of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I mean I think we actually have a pretty a pretty good <laughs> range of opinions here. So I think probably anyone listening to this will uh, you know identify with at least one of our our uh, takes on this. <laughs> and I don't I, I do want to say I don't think we've actually talked about this on the show yet. Um Firestar here, Angelica Jones. Mm-hmm. We have not talked about her character. She does in fact come from Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends animated uh, TV series in the ah, 80s, where it's Spider-Man, Firestar, and Iceman, which I have very fond nostalgic memories of because I had one VHS of a single <laughs> episode where they team up with the X-Men and fight like a weird cyborg guy. And uh, and that's like the only episode I've ever seen of that series, but I love it because of that. 
All right. Uh, any additional final thoughts here? I think we've we've covered everything pretty well. How was how was dipping your toes into '90s Marvel, Ashley? It was interesting. It was really interesting. Yeah. I think I get a lot of kick out of just the history of it because I'm not as well versed in the history of Marvel. So anytime I read the stuff, like whether I completely like it or not, I think just the history behind it and seeing how it's changed over the years is probably the most intriguing part of it all to be honest yeah yeah cool cool i I think actually like out of the batches that we've given our guests especially guests who aren't already like into marvel comics i think this Mm -hmm. was a pretty a pretty good one sometimes our guests get thrown a little bit more into the deep end with like here's uh you know year 16 of chris claremont's x-men run uh here's four (laughs) you know four comics from that and this this at least i felt like there were four series all starting with number one so uh, yeah i was glad that that we could do that for you um so, uh, yeah, Ashley, if you want to mention, I, I just want to say, like, the reason, you know, I, I asked you onto the show, I watched some of your, your videos on YouTube, your Bookish Realm mm-hmm. videos, which are, yes, which are all yeah. excellent. And uh, and you you and I share the same love, I think, for James Tynan IV's comic oh, book writing. Yes. Yeah, I love which him. Is, which was where I was just like, okay, she's got really good taste in comics. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's my favorite, like, he's, he's so ongoing good. comic I writer. I love yes, that he's getting, yes. like, such success at DC right now. Like yeah, yeah, huge mainstream yeah. comics while also still juggling like four indie projects at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Anything um, that has this name on it, I'm, I'm pretty much picking up at this point. Yeah. I yeah. absolutely love everything that he does. Yeah. And I, I mean, speaking of Night Thrasher, right, I was actually going to say like the, the reason that like I, I'm a little not that into Night Thrasher because I feel like he's he, he's very like punitive with his justice where he's just like. <laughs> I mean, he literally, like, he splinters with his best bud because he's saving a cop, right? Like, it's all about, like, protecting the cops here, and he just wants to punish criminals, and that's the least interesting motivation any hero can have for me, which is just, like, I hate criminals, and they need to pay. That's Batman, and Batman can be written that way. That's something I love about James Tinian's run on Detective Comics, Mm -hmm. is that it's so not his thing, and it's, like, kind of about the repercussions of that and how the next generation of Batman, Batman can yeah. be better than him, right? Yeah. Like yeah. They, they can do it better and learn from his mistakes. So like, that's, I love that. Have, have you read wind yet? Have you no, I his... haven't. No, 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 no. Oh, I just gotta make got, time uh, for that. I just got the first issue from, uh, where'd I get it from? From Hoopla. Hoopla had the first issue. So awesome. I need to, I've been trying to keep up with whatever DC has going on. I think everybody yeah. has hopped off the DC train, except me. I'm still riding, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> foolishly riding the train, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to hold on. So I've been so into everything that they have going on right now that I haven't had a chance to pick it up just yet. Well, very, very cool. Uh, yeah, every, every. I, I always like uh, going through your videos and knowing, like, at the end, you're gonna, you're gonna hit a few comic books and a few comic yeah. recommendations. Um, and, uh, and he'll, he'll probably be in there at some point. So. Yep, somewhere. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, awesome. thank you so much for for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Seriously, thank this was fun. Me. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can find our stuff over at patreon.com slash mymarvelthisyear. You can find music for the show by Disaster Peace. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. He's Zach. You can find him at mymarvelthisyear pretty much anywhere online. Uh, Ashley is at Bookish Realm. And, of course, we'll share some links here in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will see you next year. See you next year. See you next year.